0: Well, if you would open your Bibles and turn with me to Mark eleven twenty-two, Have you read Mark 11 before? Amen. Did you get excited about Mark 11, 22 and 23 and 24? Well, we're excited about it today. Amen. 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 You know, I thought maybe some of that. You know, people making fun of us, calling us, name it, frame it, blab it and grab it. Maybe that was kind of getting old and vanishing away. We got called that again last week. Well, I just, I don't see it. I mean, and it's some of the same folks. We've had people that say, I don't believe in what y'all believe about that prosperity. I don't believe in that prosperity stuff. I don't believe it. And leave. And much later, call Nash for money. I'm not making this up. It's happened repeatedly. That just don't make sense. <laughs> That's another subject. Well, we are faith people. People of faith. We make no apology for it. We're glad it's an honor to be called a man or woman of faith. Right? Yes, we believe in confession. Yes, we believe in prosperity. Amen? Make no apologies for it. Thanks be unto God. Who gives us the victory. He, he's the healer. He's the provider. He's the God of victory and overcoming. He never predestined Any of us to be defeated. He never foreordained us to be sick and broke. And on the bottom. Absolutely not. Can't make us believe it. Not. He's made every one of us. Overcomers. More than conquerors. Victorious ones. I could shout about it today. Are you happy that you believe something like this? You know, and people say, uh, well, you're prosperity preacher. I'm a good news preacher. Hallelujah. And prosperity is good news. Telling somebody that you're predestined to be broke? You see how many of them go, Glory to God. telling somebody God has just be patient and bear your cross because God has foreordained you to go through life sick and they go praise the Lord that ain't good news that's bad news the gospel is good news Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor What's good news to a poor man? Somebody so well, that he can be saved. No, that's good news to a lost man. What's good news to a poor man? Ain't got to be poor no more. That's some of the best news a poor man ever heard. And, and this previously po boy... Notice I ain't going to call myself a poor boy. Previously, poor boy. I remember Phyllis and I heard that. We'd been married about a year. And we got a hold of some tapes. And we heard that. And that's just some of the best. I'd never heard that before. I thought, why hadn't somebody already told me? You mean God actually wants us to have something? That he would actually get us out of this dumping? And, and you know, get us out of debt, you mean God really cares about that that He would do that I can believe for that? Some of the best news I've ever heard in my life, and to this day, I'm still excited about it. Amen. Amen. Amen, and you can't tell us it don't work. you're looking at it. you're sitting in it this morning, you're looking at it. you're here, and you see us, you see these people sitting around you, you see this paid for place and all this stuff. It ain't because we believe in poverty. <laughs> Come on now. It is part of the good, good news. What's good news to a sick man or woman? You don't have to be sick. God can and will heal you. Amen. And that's good news. How about a lost man or woman? What's good news to them? You don't have to be in sin. You can be saved. You don't have to be a bondage to in a habits, bondage to habits, to drugs and to sexual sin and lying and stealing. You can come out. You can be a man of integrity. You can be a righteous woman. You yes. Hallelujah. It's good news. It's good news when the devil is told, "No, nah, you ain't nothing. You never will be anything. This is all you are. You can't help it. You can't get out of this." That's a lie. I said, that's a lie, no matter what area you're talking about. Thanks be unto God for the gospel. It's the power of God under salvation to who? To everybody that believes. Well, there's those faith people. We're right back to that. That's us. <laughs> y'all act like y'all believed this this morning. Mark 11, are you there? Mark 11 and verse 22. We've been on this subject for a few weeks now. And the title of this series is Without a Doubt. Without a Doubt. Mark eleven twenty-two. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Now we know the setting of this is that Previously, they had, Jesus had come to this fig tree and the Bible said he came if happily or perhaps he might find something there on, he was hungry and there were no figs. And the uh, Bible encyclopedia says that that particular uh, tree at that particular time with the showing of that kind of leaf should have had some kind of fig and uh, basically it was a lion fig tree. <laughs> it was a hypocrite fig tree it was boasting that it had something and it had nothing great big show and no fruit and he's hungry and he looked at that i know the lord doesn't care doesn't like hypocrisy and he said no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever well it must have not been doing good or he wouldn't have cursed it you know said, why did he curse that little fig tree listen trust jesus if he cursed it, he had a good reason for cursing it. Yes. I know when I was in the Bible school at Ramah, we were studying some Old Testament things. And we were just looking at some of the judgments and some of the things. And sometimes people, they look at some of those things and they go, I just don't understand that. You know, why would God say that? Why would he do that? That just don't sound like love to me. That just don't sound. When they, you know, that's ignorant talk. That's mighty weak. And Brother Mel Piper was one of our teachers, and I remember I was in class one day, and he said this. It stuck with me. I wrote it down. He said, because we talk talking about some of these things. He said, whether you understand or whether you don't, always stay on God's side. Yeah. And when he said that, it went off in me. I thought, yeah. Somebody said, well, why did he do that? You go, I don't know, but he had a good reason. He was perfectly justified in whatever he did or did not do. That's what the scripture says in Romans, you know, in time to come. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar that thou mayest be justified when thou art condemned. There will be people, there are people here and now, there will be people that will try it later, that will go, God, that ain't right. God, that ain't fair. And it will be proven before all that he was fair, that he was completely just and that he is true. And anybody who says otherwise is a liar. And you don't have to understand it to believe and trust him. Always stay on God's side. If he cursed a fig tree, it needed to be cursed. Whether you understand it or whether you don't. When you do understand it, you go, yeah, that thing needed to be cursed. Well, you can just without understanding, you can just skip straight to it and go, yeah. Jesus says, it ought to be cursed, you go, right. You don't have to have a clue why. You just go, hey, if he says it needs to be cursed, it needs to be cursed. Amen. He said, when they looked at it, they thought, how quickly is the fig tree withered? And they were there. They heard him speak to the tree. And so they're all looking at it and they going, wow, look how quick. He said, have faith in God. Then he went on to say, what did verse 23 say? For verily, I say to you. That whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and what? Shall not doubt. doubt. Why would he add that in there? Because that can mess it up. That can prevent it from working. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So when people talk about that, name it and claim it and blab it and grab it, what are they making fun of? Who said this? They're making fun of what Jesus said. That if you would say something, confess it, and not doubt but believe that what you said would happen, you'd have what you said. I didn't say that. No preacher around came up with that. Jesus said it. People need to watch what they're making fun of. He said it, and I believe it. And he's telling, you know, we saw from Matthew 21 that Jesus said it like this. Matthew's account of the same happening. He said, if you had faith and don't doubt, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree. But if you said to that mountain, is he telling them and us, you can do what I just did? As plainly as you can say it. He's telling them, he's telling us, they said, Lord, wow, you spoke to that thing, and it, it did it. And what did he say? If some theologians had been writing this, they'd have said, Well, yeah, I'm the Son of God. Don't try this at home. <laughs> you know, don't you try. Well, no. He said the exact opposite of that. He said, if you had our faith in God yeah. and don't doubt. You could not only do this that I just did. Is he telling them they could have done what he did? Yes, sir. Don't you know it was a surprise to them? Are we also his disciples? Yes, sir. Yes. Do we have his name and authority to use? Yes. Do we have the faith of God in us as well? Yes. Can we do what he did? Yes. Now see a lot of Christians think that's almost blasphemous. How dare you? I had one fellow tell me one day. He said well you're just trying to act just like Jesus. I said, well, I thought that was the idea. I mean, if you're not, who are you trying to be like? That is the idea. And we're to act like Jesus in faith, speaking, walking, living, operating by faith. So when something, a mountainous thing is in your way, what did he tell you to do? He didn't tell you to pray and beg God to make it go away. See, people are missing it in this area. A lot of people are praying when they should be saying. There's a time to pray and ask for something. But it's something, God's not in the mountain business. He's not the one holding back your blessing from you. He's not the one putting obstacles in your way. That's the enemy. He told us to speak to the mountain, to the problem, to the issue, and command it to do what we want it to do. Right? And what else? Don't doubt in your heart. You believe with your heart. And he's saying don't doubt in your heart. But believe what you say comes to pass and you will have what you said. Jesus said those words. I believe it. And we've seen it. How many have seen this work in your own life? Let me see. You'll testify with that phrase. Look at that. Look at that. Glory to God. They come too late to tell us about it. That it don't work. So what, you know, Jesus would not have included that phrase. Don't doubt in your heart. He would not have put that there unless it was a pivotal thing that could keep this thing from working. But that's why he says it. Because, you know, some people say, well, now you believe that you just have just anything you'd say? He didn't say you'd have anything and everything you said. Did he? He said, if you said it and what? Believe what you said comes to pass. And what else? Don't doubt, don't doubt in your heart. Then he said, you'll have what you say. Well, what does it mean to doubt? We've been over it before, but let's review. What does it mean to doubt? Think about doubt and the word double. D-O-U. See, the first several letters, exactly the same. Why? Because that's what it means. Duo two. It literally means to stand in two ways, to, you know, have two opinions, halt. The same word is translated stagger in Romans 4, and the same word is translated waver in James 1. Same word that's here translated doubt. So to doubt means to waver, to vacillate, to stagger. Well, what are you wavering between? It has to be more than one thing. And that's the problem. So, you know, if you said, mountain, you'll be removed. You'll be thrown into the sea. You get out of my life. Now, what needs to happen next? Look at your verse. What needs to happen next? Believe that what you said right, will come to pass. So it's not just a matter of saying it and making sounds. You say it, but then you believe that what you say comes to pass. That means you are fully expecting what you said to happen. Not, well, we'll throw some words out there and see if anything happens. No, no. You believe what you said is coming to pass. And what's the next phrase? What? Well, I turned them around, didn't I? Shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe. So you don't doubt. What would that. How would that work out? Mountain. Be removed. Be cast into the sea. What. If you doubted. How would that work? You'd go. It's happening. And then you'd go. I don't know. I don't know if that thing's going to move or not. It's not moving. Look at it. Nah." No, it's moving. It's moving. Yeah, it's going to move. Uh, it don't look like it's moving. What is that? Is that one thing? That's two. One day you're going, yeah, it's moving. It's moving. It's, I told it to move and it's moving. And then the next day you're going, it ain't moving. It's not moving. You cannot consider Both. And be in faith. That's duo. That's doubting. Yeah, I asked the Lord to heal me. I believe I received my healing. Body be healed. Tumor die. Dry up. Cancer die. Dry up. Now what do you got to believe? You got to believe that it's dying. And drying up. Yeah, but we ran test. you know, a week after that. And it looks like it's bigger than it was. Hmm? Well... It's not. Well, no, it is. It's not. Well, what's that? That's wavering. You can't believe both. And what the Bible says about the wavering? A double-minded man, duo-minded man, is unstable in all his ways. And, you know, don't think that you'll receive anything of the Lord. That's why he said, don't doubt. Why? Because it'll keep you from receiving you got to settle in on one. Now let's talk about your salvation. How many believe you're saved? Hmm? Are you sure? What if you're not? Huh? Yeah, but what if you're not? Are you doubting about that? Are you sure? Is Jesus coming? Yeah, but what if he don't? Yeah, but what if he don't? Have you lost any sleep no. thinking about he might not come? No. Do you part of the time think he's coming and in some days you think he ain't coming? No. Huh? No, but every day and night you think just the one thing. Yeah, he's coming. Single. Yeah, Single. That means you're in faith. No duo. Are you saved? Yes. You know, I never lose any sleep about being lost. No. Amen. Not because I've done everything perfectly. My faith is not in my works yeah. to be saved. My faith is in what he's already done. Yeah. That's right. I'm saved. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but what if you're not? Hey, you know, what if I'm saved? Right. I never entertain That I might not be. Are you listening now? Well, I wish I could be that confident. You better get that confident. Or that's why you ain't saved. Well, brother, I'm just going to do the best I know how, and then when I get there, we'll find out. No, you're lost. You're talking about your works. You're not saved by your works. Nobody can ever live a good enough life to be saved. Not happening. You got to put your faith in what he's already done. And you got to rest in that. And if you're in faith in it and you believe that, you're not entertaining anything else. Do you see this now? The reason I keep bringing this up, you already know how to do this. You're doing it concerning your spiritual salvation. You're doing it concerning the coming of Jesus. You already know how to do this. You do the same thing with healing and you'll be healed. Do the same thing with your prosperity and you'll prosper. Same thing with your protection. You'll be protected. Yeah, but what if something happens? Well, we'll pray, but you know, you just never know. (laughs) Well, maybe you don't, but you could. I said you could. Now listen. I, I made these statements. But I want to say these again. Well in fact go to Romans 4. Romans 4. We saw this concerning Abraham. Verse 19. He was not weak in faith. How was he not weak in faith? Being not weak in faith. He what? He considered. Not. His own body now dead when he's about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, and he what? That's exactly the same Greek word for doubt that's in Mark eleven twenty three. You could say he doubted not, or you could oh, it's the same word in James translated waver, you could say he wavered not. He doubted not, he wavered not, he staggered not, but now back up to the previous verse. What else did he do not? He considered not, so therefore he what? Doubted not. Staggered not. Wavered not. Because he what? I know you've heard us say this before, but this is so important. So important. Say it out loud. He considered not. not. So he wavered not. not. Say it again. He He considered not. And he wavered not. Now, here's two statements I want to give you. You might want to write them down. If you're unsettled, it's because you're undecided. If you're unsettled, it's because you're undecided. If you're confused, it's because you're considering something you shouldn't be. Did you hear this now? If you're unsettled, now along with this would be frustrated, aggravated, perplexed, all that's included in this idea of being unsettled. Unsettled is because why? You're undecided. You're still halting between two things. And if you're confused, it's because what? What? the bible said in uh, well in fact hold your place and turn there second corinthians second corinthians 11 just a few pages over second corinthians 11:3 paul said to these saints at corinth he said i fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled eve this is second corinthians 11:3 as the serpent beguiled he's tricky we talked about that friday night He beguiled Eve through his subtlety, his cunning, his craftiness, trickery. So your minds should be corrupted from the what? The simplicity that is in Christ. That's what happens when people doubt and they waver. They are corrupted and removed from the simplicity. We live in a society that prides itself in its complexity. Don't do it. People do. You know it's true. In this society, uh, people look at you and they say, well, I'm a very complicated person. I'm a very complex, complicated person. What does that mean? They're confused. It's true. Confused unstable person it's just a fact you want to see somebody that's rock steady that's solid that's stable I'll show you a simple minded person what do you mean singular when I say simple that's what I mean I'm using it in this sense singular minded well simple one is about as simple as you can get Right? One. You go into a place to eat. You go, Where are we going to eat today? Well, it's all so complicated. Not if there's just one restaurant. <laughs> well, what am I going to pick off the menu? You know, it's so complicated. Not if there's only one thing. What would you like to have today? Beans or cornbread? Or beans or cornbread? Or we also have beans and cornbread. Do you wrestle with it? Well, let me see. Wow, I don't like making these decisions. (laughs) No, when there's only one, it's easy. Oh, friends, listen with your heart this morning now. Do you want to be happy in life? Huh? Or do you want to go through the torment and confusion of frustration and vexation? Why are people confused? They are considering things they should not be considering. They're considering options, considering alternatives they should not even be thinking about or talking about. Why are people unsettled and unstable? They're undecided. Now the perfect picture is Adam and Eve at the uh, forbidden tree. Everything's simple. God is good. Life is good. Nothing to complicate life. So happy. So free. And the cunning, lying devil comes along and says, Did God say that you're not to eat of all the trees? And Eve says, Well, we can eat of all the trees except, That tree, because if we do, we'll die. He said, well, no, no, you won't die. No. You see, it's complicated. (laughs) It's not that simple. Was it that simple? Now, God's talking to some people this morning. Hear with your heart. When people start, you know, somebody shares a scripture, and then folks say, oh, well, no, it's not that simple. You see... It's complicated. You don't understand. My situation is complicated. Ain't nothing complicated about it. You're confused. (laughs) And you're confused because you're considering stuff you ought not be thinking about. Eve's mind was corrupted from the simplicity. Can you see that? It was so simple. Don't eat of the tree. Eat the tree. You die. Leave the tree alone. The devil says, nah, it's not that simple. It's complicated. See, really, God knows that if you eat that, you will be like him. And so it's not really so much this dying that's the issue. See, he didn't want you to have all this knowledge because really, see, if you knew like him, you wouldn't be as dependent on him. And so really it's a dependency issue. And then between you and Adam it's more of a codependency and independency <laughs> issue. And it's not so much about dying. now nah, he said dying and you know, but that must not really see it's complicated. <laughs> now see, the reason I talk about this is because people think that's a sign of intelligence. Because they can ask all these questions. Yes, but have you considered this? <laughs> well, you ought not be considering it. And no, I'm not going to consider it because I've already got the answer. If the Lord says, leave the tree alone, you eat it, you die, it is just that simple. Simple. To make it any other way is to let your mind be corrupted from the simplicity that's in the anointed one and to let your soul and heart doubt and waver and that will cause you to forfeit the blessing and keep you out of the blessing. Well, it's not that simple, preacher. I mean, uh, yeah, I hear y'all and maybe there has been a healing, but you don't understand what's going on with my situation. And it's complicated. No, it's not complicated. By his stripes you're healed. Period. Yeah, but you don't understand. You know, you don't understand the corporate world, preacher. And global economy. It's very intricate. It is very complex. (laughs) To God? I don't think so. Let me tell you how simple it is. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, period. That's it. Local economy, national economy, global economy, corporate changes. What does that mean? Either you believe that or you don't. Now, here's the issue. We've talked about this before, last week and the week before. When people say, I can't believe that. Remember us talking about that? You know, maybe you say, well, buy stripes you're healed. People say, I, I can't believe that. God will make you rich. I can't believe that. Is that true? That they can't believe it? That's a lie. What is the truth? They choose not to believe it. It's a choice. It's a choice. You choose whether you believe God or whether you don't. And people have hearts that are dispositioned more to believing or less. You can train yourself. Did you hear me? To believe God. Quickly and easily. And then there are others that have trained themselves to be skeptical and to doubt and to question everything. And that's bad. Because they'll treat God that way too. They're not just that way with people, they treat Him that way. Well, prove it to me. Show me. Prove it. Explain it to me. Then I'll accept it. Well, it don't work that way. I mean, you are the creature creature he is the creator you don't look at him and say you have to satisfy my intellect <laughs> you know that's what job got into job tried to question god about his justice and accuse god of being unfair felt like he knew a thing or two that's when the lord showed up in the whirlwind and he said who is this that darkens counsel without knowledge we got somebody's mouth that's running and they don't know what's going on <laughs> there's words but there's no meaning he said you because what Job had said is I wish God had give me an audience I would ask him a thing or two so God says here I am you want to ask me something here I am but before we get into your questions, there's a couple of simple basic things I want to ask you about to see if we can talk on this level you're trying to talk on. Were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Do you know where the waters came from? Do you know where the wind comes from? Do you know how this animal does this and how that? And Job kept saying, uh, no. No, no, were you there? Do you understand this? No, you understand how the lightning runs from here to there and what it is. uh No, always wondered about that. <laughs> do, do you understand this? What is God telling him? You're going to question me about my judgments concerning humanity and eternity. You don't know what makes a donkey do this. You don't know how a cloud forms. And you're going to question me about this. And Job saw it. He wasn't a dummy. He just going through a rough patch. But he repented and he said, God. He said, I opened my mouth once, yea, twice. But it won't happen again. I'm going to put my hand right here on my mouth. (laughs) Smart man. Next thing you know, he's healed. Got twice as much as he ever had. Right? But you don't say, God, prove it to me, explain it to my satisfaction, and I'll see if I accept it. You're a fool. Ignorant. No, you have to decide. You have to choose to believe what he says. It's a choice. Now go with me to Hebrews 3. This is actually my text. (laughs) (laughs) Took us a little while to get there, didn't it? (laughs) It's true. The other was review. Hebrews 3. Well, let me say it like this. A little more review. We talked last week about two kinds of unbelief. Do you remember that? Two kinds. Actually, two different words. Do you remember them? The first one we mentioned is talked about in First Timothy 1: 13. Paul said, "Before, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. There is an ignorant form of unbelief. You're not believing because of what? Ignorance. And God has mercy on that kind of unbelief. Thank God. There's another kind, however, much more serious. And that's what you read about here in Hebrews. Let's read it. Hebrews, the third chapter. Hebrews 3 and verse 7. Hebrews 3, 7 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says... Today, if you will hear his voice. Now, why say it like that? If you'll hear it. You got a choice. You can hear it. Now, see, understand, hearing is not just the words bouncing off your eardrum. It has to do with receiving it when you hear it, accepting it when you hear it. I mean, you ever heard somebody say, I refuse to hear that. What does that mean? Well, they heard it with their ears. What are they saying, though? I refuse to accept that. I refuse to believe that. Does it mean they couldn't believe it? No, it's a choice. He said, if you will hear, that means some will, some won't. It's your choice. If you will hear what? What's the very next phrase? If you'll hear his voice, verse 8, what? Harden not your hearts. Oh, this is so important. Harden not your hearts. Who's the understood subject? You. You. So who would be hardening your heart? He's saying, don't you harden your heart. What would be the effect of hardening your heart? Hardening your heart means it can't get in. You're closing yourself up and you're not letting it get in you. You're not accepting it. You're not believing it. You're hardening yourself. What would be the opposite of that? Open heart. Receptive heart. Soft heart. Easy to be entreated. You know, the Bible talked about in Paul's ministry, there were places he went to that people were just, I mean, anti Word, anti-faith, anti-Jesus, anti non from the word get-go. But he left some of those very places. And like for one instance, he went, was it the saints of Berea, wasn't it? And it said, now these were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica, I believe it said, in that they received the word with all Readiness. And they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. In other words, they were ready to believe when he showed up. They said, just show it to us in the word. And when he did, they said, that's good enough for me. These are noble people. The kind that sit back with a hard heart and like, I'm not accepting that. I'm not accepting that. That's not noble. Uh, Brother Hagen, my father in the faith, made a statement that impressed me along this line. He talked about people that were successful Christians and people that received as opposed to people that didn't. And he talked about characteristics of successful Christians and receivers. And he mentioned a few things. He said one of them is they're quick to repent. Quick. To repent, As opposed to what? Slow, Slow means, uh, eventually <laughs> I will, but I just want to be mad for a while and <laughs> sulk and... I mean, before it's over, before I die, I'm going to repent. That'll cost you. Yeah, yeah. Got to be what to repent? Quick. Quick. You see you're wrong? Quick to admit it. Quick to ask for forgiveness. Quick to repent. Also, he talked about... Quick to believe. Not slow to believe. They'll say well. Yeah they gave me 12 scriptures. And God gave me a dream. and But I'm just going to keep thinking about it. That's bad. You ever heard people say. Well it, I'd have to have a burning bush. Really. <laughs> then you're stubborn. You're hard headed. Hard hearted. You don't have to have a burning bush. Well, God would have to ride it in the sky or do something. I mean, it'd take... Well, you're talking about how dull you are. How hard it is to penetrate that steel plate for a head you got. (laughs) Ain't nothing to be proud of. You need to be quick to repent. Quick to believe. And also quick to obey. Quick to repent Quick to believe, quick to obey. Quick. Not put it off for two months. Quick. When you know what to do, what does the Bible say? You know, uh, when something is due to your neighbor and it's in the power of your hand to do it, what do you do? You don't put it off to tomorrow and say, well, come back tomorrow. Let me think. No, you do it. You don't know about tomorrow. Let me tell you about your loved ones now. Live today so you have no regrets tomorrow. Hmm? You know, my, my dad's home with the Lord now, my natural father. And I had hoped that I'd have some more years with him. But I'm happy that he's in glory. And we'll all see him real soon. But there were several things that the Lord had dealt with me to do for him. And I'm so glad I didn't think, well, you know, we probably got another 20 years and I'll do this and I'll do that. And Got him a motorcycle. Man, he rode that motorcycle every day. I don't care if it was cold, he put earmuffs on and gloves and he rode that motorcycle every day. I'm so glad I didn't wait another year or two, able to get him a car, a sports car with some power. I think he scared everybody in the community with it. The visiting preachers, he'd tell them, come let me take you for a ride. And they innocently jumped in the car with one of the main deacons and man. 30 minutes later, they're wide-eyed and going, whoa. He enjoyed every minute of it. Things like, I'm so glad I didn't wait. You don't know about tomorrow. You don't know about next year. Now some of you say, well, I, how do I do that? Real simple. Something comes up in your heart to do it. Don't put it off. Do it. Do it. Don't delay. Quick to obey. Say out loud. Quick to repent. Quick to, repent. Quick to believe. Quick to, believe. Quick, to obey. quick to obey. That's how you'll be successful. That's how you'll be blessed. That's how you'll receive. Now, keep reading. Let me see how I can finish this. What do he say? Verse eight: Harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was what? Grieved. Grieved. Somebody say, grieved. "Grieved." There's a lot of talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. It do us well to remember that the Holy Spirit. Is the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of the Master. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What grieved Him in previous times is exactly the same thing that grieves Him now. The Holy Ghost is not flighty, He's not touchy, He's not irritable. He didn't come in the back door and watch us thinking, I know they're going to grieve me. I know they are. Ah, ah, that's it. That's it. I'm out of here. (laughs) If he did, we'd never even have a decent service. He's very gracious and kind and long-suffering. And if he's grieved, there's a substantial reason why he is. And here's why. Here's one of the big ones. You'll see it repeatedly. They grieved him. What grieved him? Their hardness, somebody say hardness. hardness, hardness of heart. He said, I was grieved with that generation. And I said, they always err in their hearts and they've not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Verse 12, it applies directly to us here now. He says, take heed brethren, lest there be in any of you a what? Evil, Calls it evil. Evil heart of what? Now, see, this is not that ignorant unbelief. This is unpersuadableness. Refuse to be persuaded. Heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Exhort one another daily while it's called today. That's why you need your faith buddies. Exhort each other. Stir each other up to what? Believe God. Don't quit. Yeah, reach out there big. Stand. Lest any of you be what? Hardened. There's that word again. Hardened. Through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence. Steadfast. Month after month. Year after year as need be. Unto the end. While it is said today. If you will hear his voice. What? There it is again. Don't harden your heart. As in the provocation. Verse 19, he said, so we see they could not enter in. Why? Was it the giants that kept them out? Was it the walled cities? What kept them out? What keeps Christians out of their healing? Is it cancer or AIDS or heart disease or high blood pressure or arthritis? What keeps Christians out of it? What keeps Christians out of prosperity? Born on the wrong side of town? Lack of education. Wrong gender. Wrong color. Wrong country. Wrong background. No. No. What keeps people out? Unbelief. What keeps churches broke? Not growing? No power. No expansion. No influence. No witness. What keeps ministries that way? Unbelief. Unbelief. What would hold you out? Why would Jesus say? Say it. And believe that what you say happens, and then what else? Don't doubt. Don't doubt in your heart. But believe what you said had come to pass. What would keep you out? Unbelief. Unbelief. Now go to Mark 3. I'm taking some extra time, but I'm not done. Mark 3. What grieved Jesus as recorded in the Gospel accounts? Do you remember what grieved him? Mark 3. I'm going to show you two places and I think we can close. He, uh, Jesus, entered into the synagogue. There was a man that had a withered hand. They watched him where they'd heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. That they might what? Are they open to this? No. Are they quick to believe? No, no they're not. They are shut up from this. And he said to the man that had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Now, you know, were they against Jesus as being a healing preacher? Yeah. So I guess we're in good company. I guess so. Hallelujah. Did they oppose him yes, sir. for having miracles yes, sir. and preaching healing like he did? And uh, when he looked round, this is verse 5, round about on them with what? Andrew. Now you don't see that every other chapter concerning Jesus. That he was what? Ain't Jesus was angry? Yeah. Can love get angry? Yeah. Yes, it can. He got angry. Well, what would affect him so much that he would actually get angry over? He was angry. And what else? Being grieved. What grieved him? For the hardness of their hearts. He was grieved. He was angry over the hardness of their hearts. Let me read this to you from another translation. It says in the NIV, said he looked around at them in anger. I don't want the Lord looking at me in anger, in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Friend, you know, I've been studying this all night, all morning, I should say. And I'm full of it. I got 800 verses in me on this. And I'm trying to express in a few minutes with three verses You see what I'm talking about here? But I'm telling you, this stubborn thing is something that God absolutely, it makes him mad. It grieves him. And it is something that can get you in a place, in a situation that can't be fixed. Now, that's a hard thing. Did you hear what I said? It can get you in situations that can't be fixed. The Bible said, he that often being reproved, he hardens himself, he stiffens his neck. The Bible said he would be destroyed suddenly without remedy. What does that mean? Can't fix it. There's no cure, there's no fix. And this is what happened with Pharaoh. Interesting study to go back there and read something. I mean, it says repeatedly, he hardened himself. He hardened himself. I mean, you know how many times it happened. I mean, the country is brought to its knees. And he says, oh, fine, fine. Okay. Yeah. Y'all go. Y'all do it. And then when the plague was lifted, what did he do? He hardened himself and said, "Uh uh-uh. Well, that happened repeatedly until what? He and all his army was destroyed suddenly, and there was no fix. Can you see that? And the same thing happened with the first generation of God's people that he delivered out of the Egyptian bondage. You remember? In Numbers 13 and 14, when the spies went into the land and they checked it out, and the Bible said the 10 brought back an evil report. We saw evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is what made it evil. And they discouraged their brethren's heart. And all of them sat out there in the tents and cried all night long in unbelief. Do you know that some people's crying does not need to be petted? You don't agree with people's unbelief. So there are times when you don't need to offer them a handkerchief and coddle them and cuddle them. You need to say, hey, what... What are you crying about? You shouldn't even be thinking about that much less crying about it. God said this. Amen. Why are they confused? Why are they upset? Why are they unsettled? Because they are considering something they shouldn't even be thinking about. Amen. And the Lord finally said to him, He said, these ten times they have done this. He said, How long before they believe me? And it made him mad. It grieved him. Why? Think about it. He delivered them out of all those plagues. He brought them through the Red Sea. He fed them manna out of the sky. Water out of the rock. How much does it take? That's what he said. It irritated him. It made him mad. It grieved him. And finally he said, It's going to be just like you said. You've been a holler you're going to die out here. And that's what's going to happen to you. There was no fix then. Why? Refuse to believe they see it they see it they see it they see it they experience it and still go no I can't accept that no listen friends those that have been coming to this church you know healing is right you know healing is the will of God don't you try to act like you don't know it you know prosperity is the will of God. Yes. Don't you try to act like you don't think it's for you or for everybody. You know speaking in tongues is right. Yes. Did you hear me? Yes. You know it. Don't you try to act like, well, you know, I'm just going to go to this other church. and They believe different. If they're walking in all the light they have, that's all any of us can do. But when you get light and you refuse to walk in it, and you're going to go back into something where God has given you light beyond, it's going to cost you. Because we're not dealing with ignorance anymore. We're dealing with unpersuadableness, stubbornness, rebellion. And all that remains for that is judgment. And if you go in it far enough, you get to the place where it can't be fixed. To me, that's serious. Isn't it? Jesus looked around about these guys and it grieved him. And it made him mad. Why? Here's a man here. He's got his hand withered. He wants to be healed. And they don't care enough about him to try to be even open. To try to help the man, all they know is, we don't believe in that healing stuff. We don't believe in that. You can tell these folks, they're hard and they're demanding. Question everything. All the time. They're talkers and not doers. Maybe it aggravated him. Skip over. I think we can end with this. If we don't, we don't. Mark 16. Jesus has gone to the cross, and he's been raised from the dead. And you've got to remember, at this time, his disciples have been with him for years now. And they've seen some things, haven't they? Man, they've seen healings with their own eyes. They've seen people raised from the dead. They've seen deliverances. They've seen walking on the water. They've seen trees cursed and wind and waves. They've seen some things. After a while, you should be quick to believe. And quit. If the Lord says, you've seen it. You should go, yes, sir, if you say so. And he told them. He gave them the prophecies. He told them. They heard him tell the religious leaders, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. He told them about it. They had numerous reasons to expect him to rise from the dead. This wasn't a new thing to them. But in Mark 16 and 9, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, aren't you glad that he rose from the dead? We're going to celebrate it in just a few days here. He rose from the dead. He's alive. You know what that means. When he rose, you rose. He didn't do it for himself. That's our resurrection. Mm -mm. That's another message. He was risen early the first day of the week. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. What do you think about him and Mary Magdalene? It's real simple. It's just what it says here. Well, you think maybe they got together. No way. If he'd have wanted to marry the woman, he'd have married the woman. It would have been in here in the book. No way. And it's blasphemous to talk and discuss. And to support that kind of thing. Did you hear me? Mary Magdalene loved him. Just because. Same reason you love him. Because he saved her. And set her free. And of whom much is forgiven. The same loves much. And she did. But there was nothing. Wrong. Perverted about that relationship could not be and she went and told them that had been with him and as they mourned and wept and they when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her they what they what they couldn't believe it huh they couldn't believe it could they have believed it yes they could why didn't they they is that okay No, it's not okay. Not after everything they had seen. They know the dead can rise. They got Lazarus right there with them. Right? They've seen these kind of things. They heard him talk about it. They heard him talk and quote the prophecies and the scriptures. Why would Mary Magdalene come back and lie about it? They know her. They've been around her. They chose not to. Basically they said. Say what? She said I saw him. I, he's alive. I know it. I wouldn't stand here and lie to you. I saw it. Just like he said. You know he said he would. And he did. I saw him. What did they say? Mm, sorry Mary. But you're just excited. You uh, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. She said, yeah, I'm excited because I saw him. But it didn't end there. Verse 12, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them. As they walked and he went into the country. And these two guys, they ran back to the other ones and they told them. They're getting back to back. Can you see this somebody they know somebody that they've come to see is not a liar. Here's somebody a completely independent source these two guys why and how would they make up such a story and they come back and they said we were walking along and we looked up and there's this man and he talked to us and we sit down and we look it was the Lord he's alive he's risen. They got an empty tomb. They got witnesses multiple that have seen him themselves. So what'd they do? What'd they do? They what? What does it say? Neither believe they them. You gotta remember who these guys are now. These are Jesus sidekicks. For three plus years. They saw him. They heard him. They saw the miracles. And now they're going. Mm-mm. I can't accept that. Nope. Nope. I don't believe that. Nope. I'm sorry Mary. I saw him. I'm telling you. I wouldn't stand here and lie to you. I saw him myself. Mm-mm. The other guy said, we saw him too. We wouldn't lie. We we talked to him. It was him. It was the master. The tomb's empty. They said, we're not just talking about one of them. Who are we talking about? Implication is all of them. They said, Mm-mm. no, we don't accept it. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. What happened? Verse 14. Verse 14, are you there? Afterward, he appeared to the eleven himself in person while they're sitting at food and eating. They look up and wow, it's him. And so he said, hi guys, aren't you excited? What did he say? He shows up, interrupts their meal, and what does he start talking about? Come on, quote the scripture to me. What did he say? He what? What's upbraid mean? Huh? Dave, you want me to upbraid you? No. I don't want to be upbraided. What is that? He upbraided them because of what? Their unbelief and what? Their hardness of heart. Why? Because they didn't believe them that had seen him after he was risen. Now you get this too. See, a lot of people say, well, now i got to get that straight from the Lord myself. He said, you should have believed the ones I revealed myself to. The ones I sent to you. You should have believed what they told you remember Thomas we talked about him last week he said I won't do it I will not believe unless I put my finger in the holes and I put my hand up his side I will not believe and he didn't bless him because of it he said well come here basically you unbeliever stubborn head come here put your finger in there there it is Put your hand up in here. He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. But blessed are those who have not seen. And yet believe. That's you. That's me. I don't have to see. I'm not a dull, stubborn, hardhead, rebellious, slow to believe. No, quick to believe. Quick. Quick. Quick could it have been differently yeah. they, when Mary showed up and said I saw him they could have all jumped up on their feet and said he said he was he said he was yeah. I believe it yeah. it would have pleased the Lord yeah. wouldn't it yeah. and when the other two came in they just said confirmation more confirmation uh-huh. and he would have been happy and pleased with them yes. instead he shows up it's the first time they've seen him since he's raised from the dead and what's the first thing he talks to them about That's not really the best way to start (laughs) the conversation after he's raised from the dead. They're looking going, it's him. And he says, now sit down. Why didn't you believe them? Upbraids a strong word. Let me read this to you from another translation. said, he rebuked them for their lack of faith and stubborn refusal to believe. He rebuked them. He rebuked them. Now the text goes on. What did it say immediately after that? Verse 15. I hadn't seen how this flowed together until recently. We separate this. But it all goes together. What's the very next verse? Now let's just stop right here. What is he just doing? He's rebuking them. Why? Their unbelief. And the hardness of heart. Yes. Then what does he say? Yes. He says, now you go into all the world and you proclaim this good news to every created one. And the one that believes. Oh, do you see the context? Yes. The one that believes and then acts on that faith and is baptized, identifies with him, will be saved. But the one that what? you can say it like this that refuses to believe like y'all were acting the one that refused because how many others are going to see him like they did you're going to have to believe without seeing he's not going to appear to the masses of the world individually in order for them to believe on him it's not his will faith pleases God faith Pleases God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the what? Evidence. Title deed. Proof of ownership. Of things what? Not 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 seen. Not seen. It's when you don't see and feel your healing that you can believe you got it. It's when you don't see and have the money in hand that you believe you got it and it's on the way. It's when you don't feel delivered that you believe you're delivered. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. I'm a believer. How about you? I'm a believer. Stand on your feet and say it out loud. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I'm quick to repent. I'm not stubborn. I'm not hard-headed. I'm not hard-hearted. I'm I'm quick to repent. Quick to believe. Quick Quick to obey. I am a believer. Hallelujah.